share it to any of your channels that's totally up to you but we're uh, we're, we're rocking uh, we're rocking live now and if you need any help with with that Roger and knowing how to do that you can always shout me my man I can share it afterwards as well can't I you can share it after my man yeah absolutely yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do that anyway welcome yeah. Ro- Roger Wilson Crane even your name's pretty badass mate I like your name it's, it's got author written all over it that name <laughs> thank you yeah cool yeah. So dude, let's jump in. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm excited to, to to speak to you. I don't know a lot about you, which is great because now I can find out. Mm, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> so behind you is a very cool picture of your book. It is. So yeah. my excellent marketing yeah. skills, by the way. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very let's, much. Let's jump in. Uh, tell me about Certified. Um, uh, well, it's basically a fictional memoir. So it it's uh, it is based on my uh, experiences and events in my life um, but I've used a bit of creative license and um, embellished certain parts um, and it was just basically started because I wanted to write about my father's passing away um, we had he you know I've been estranged from him for many many years um, but we had to deal with when he died and the week of that of that time when from the cremation and scattering his ashes was was a, very sad, of course, but also there's so many farcical events and really odd bits and bats. I just wanted to write about it. But in the end, I don't think it would make a, a, a full book, Alex, to be fair. <laughs> um, what, what do you think guys, um, especially in their more reflective uh, years, should yeah. we say that? That's me being kind and, instead yeah. of using the word older years. Um, but we, what do you think guys start to reflect more? And, and especially, like, I've, I've spoken to a lot of guys who've started writing in their, their late 40s, late 50s, late 60s, and they're just looking back and almost processing life, getting thoughts on paper. Like, was there anything in particular that, that made you dive into that, or is this something you've always done? Um, it's interesting that because from I, I haven't really looked back properly, um, but but when I decided to do this, and, and and that was the premise that it was it was about my father, and it was about the birth of my daughter that um, I was so lucky to have. Um, I, I'd, I'd got the the two, two of the bits, and then I knew then that if I could use the certificates of birth, you know, one unexpected birth and a hapless marriage, a hapless wedding, and a bizarre death, I've got a story. But but it actually did make me then really start to think about and go back, um, which I hadn't done really, and really thought about had it affected me with my father, you know, sort of leaving when I was 13. Um, and then we had no contact for 20 odd years. Did that affect me? Uh, and then trying to reconcile a couple of years before his death when we found out where he lived and things like that. So, yeah, so I have now, um, but I hadn't before I started writing it, which is a bit odd. I hadn't been that reflective, yeah. but so much more now. Yeah, so much more. Yeah, well, you were you were in the auto trade, right? High level or MD in the auto trade. So I guess time for reflection wasn't always available. We, we, we get busy, right? We we live life and we earn money and we climb a ladder and we become busier. And I guess would you would you put that down to one of the reasons why you hadn't stopped to reflect, or or would you just think it's common ground for for us humans not to not to spend much time reflecting? Ooh, um, I think that's part of it, but the other part is I've I'm, I'm, I've always been a good blocker outer. Alex, well, you were so, doing. Of course, you are. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think it's also as we as you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about generations because I don't like to do that. But but there is a younger generation that do show their feelings more. They do talk about them more, and I think young men show their feelings a lot more than than I certainly did and still do. 
uh, and I do like you know I do like to think I, I can learn we can learn from younger guys that that do talk about their their issues do talk about what's what's happened to them um but i just yeah i'm a really good blocker of anything that's sad or upsets me or yeah i've always been like that mm. so, um, roger we're gonna go down a rabbit hole here and i'm willing to go down it if you are but do you, think, do you think this is a good thing now that guys are starting to show their feelings more well we're all starting to uh, certainly express our feelings more and be more vocal especially on platforms like this social media platforms we've all got an opinion now um yeah. we've all got feelings and we're not scared to let people know how we feel now is, is this in terms of generational um advancement is it a good thing or or, or not Ooh, yeah it's a rabbit hole isn't it um that's why i'm asking you and you're not asking me. <laughs> I, think, I, don't know the answer. I think i think yes i, I if i you know I, there's a few things that do, do worry me slightly that it's over, you know, over sort of talk about itself and, and stuff like that. But in general, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I've been lucky. I mean, I didn't, I, I haven't had it bad. I had a great childhood, even without my father. I had, you know, two brothers and a sister and my mum and grandma who were wonderful. So, but, you know, there's a lot of people that were, you know, way, way worse off than, than me that, is it good to bottle it up? I don't know. I don't. I probably don't think it is. To be fair, um, so I think if you really push me, I would say yeah. I think it's a good thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't encourage bottling up for any for any for any guy listening to this. But um, there, there's a book I'm reading at the minute, Roger, called um, Grit. It's by uh, a lady called Angela Dotworth. It's, um, <laughs> it's I, have, I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've kind of like took some data from it, uh, and it said generationally we are becoming less grittier. As, as men so men who were born in the 90s are grittier than then uh, men born in 2000s and you know men born in the 80s are grittier than those born in the 90s and you know as the decade passed we're becoming less gritty which doesn't sound like a big deal but it's according to this book it means that we don't persevere with things as much we don't see th- things through as much we uh, don't work as hard we don't handle adversity as much and I don't know about you but I do see um, a lot of this about um, and I think it is becoming more common whether that has anything to do with the fact that we all express our feelings more and maybe we feel like we've got entitlement or, or certainly some people do I don't know whether these two things are linked but I thought it, it was quite interesting yeah it is it is to be fair and I, I, I wouldn't sort of disagree with a few points on that I, I don't I think you know from a younger generation maybe there is a bit of Sometimes not with all, but a little bit of sense of entitlement, and that they should be at the top of a ladder by the time they're twenty-five and not have to earn it. There is a bit of that. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. To be fair, and we just—I mean, I—I I just worked my way up. You know, it's, it took me many, many years and many different jobs, from being in a hotel to selling texture coating company for Pete's sake. To yeah. so, it, yeah, I, I, I get what you, you know, I get that that meaning. It's, I do, yeah. To be fair. I think there's going to be a balance, hasn't there? There's going to be a balance. Yeah, 100%. And and like you rightly point out, whether we've tipped over that balance point a little bit, I'm not sure. I love the old-fashioned ladder of, you know, you start at the bottom and you work hard and you, and you climb up. But I was out yeah. for breakfast with Arjuna this morning. I'm not sure if you caught him on last week's podcast. Great guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's the Shire Monk. And we're talking about purpose and, and the way it's explained to kids at school and how everybody wants to have a purpose and discover their purpose. But we were debating um, whether it was a good thing to um, teach kids about purpose in the sense of 
whatever you want, you can have it. Because I think there's a big gap missed in the middle. Like you've just said, you have to work your way up there. Purpose mm. sounds great, but purpose can be demanding. It, it requires the best of you. You know, if you chase your purpose, it sounds so smooth and so easy. But mm. you know, me and you both know that there's there's a lot of hard work and pursuing mm. your purpose is very demanding. Um, maybe you experienced this when you started writing. It Maybe you felt like that was something you really wanted to do. But writing's not easy, let's face it. You probably have to dig deep, yeah. persevere, uh, you know, everything tells you that you're not good enough to write a book. I know mm. this kind of stuff approaches. So, yeah, we, mm. we were debating whether, you know, just saying chase your purpose is enough education to give to youngsters without talking about things like grit and perseverance and setbacks. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it would be nice to, uh, and I'm not saying someone like me, but similar to those that have have started at, at you know, at a you know, working in a shop or, um, like I say, as, as a barman in a hotel or doing bits and that. And would it be wrong to to have someone talking to schools and, and telling them, you know, how that hard work and the setbacks you get, but the setbacks are worth it if you still, you know, so you pick yourself up and you go again and you can get to where you want with with a lot of hard work. And um, yeah, I, I did, that would be. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of that rather than just here's your, you know you know we've all got a purpose go and get it because that's I mean you could you could go all the way different different ways and 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 if you're not ready to pick yourself up well you know when you're unemployed and uh, as I, and as I have been um, you know many years ago if you're not willing to just pick yourself up and just take any job to get back on that ladder. Um, it's not really it doesn't really matter what your purpose is, does it? It's still all about getting back up there, working again, um, finding the next job, finding the next ladder, um, and finding what you're good at. I mean, I just, I mean, I've always been a, just a salesman, I suppose is the best way of putting it, since I left school at 16. Whether you're selling a, a gin and tonic behind the bar, or a piece of cheese and a delicatessen, or, or in the auto trade. You know, selling cars to businesses or, or personal people—it's been right through my my life. But it's just taken different routes. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, we were uh, we were also talking about because purpose comes up a lot, especially for guys. I think there's a lot of guys out there that will probably probably feel like they don't have a purpose. But yeah. it's quite contradictory because I think we should encourage everyone to pursue their purpose. Uh, but unfortunately, and this, this is really tough to hear, but I don't think everyone w- will achieve it or get close to it. Some people try their best at certain things and don't achieve, and that's cool, that's life. Um, but yeah, it, it's being able to teach these contradictory messages, they make sense to me. Like, I understand that uh, it's great to talk about purpose and um, it's great to say that you can achieve what you want, but, but there's only a small amount of reality in that statement. Like, Not everyone can achieve what they want. They want no. a damn good go at it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that that that's that's a better message, isn't it? I think I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's cynical, right? mm. yeah. You, yeah. You, you don't want to crush your kids' ambitions from the off, but you also don't want to you you don't want to paint this false sense of reality that life's going to be work out how you want it to be. Because I don't know about you, I've never really had plans that have worked out. Oh, blah! What? Ooh, what in in? private life relationships you know when you sit there with a pen and paper and you you write your five-year mission or your you sit there and wonder how the yeah and you create this path 
and like boom, something hits you in the face. It's like, oh right, fuck. Well, that that path isn't the one that I thought. Like nothing's really worked out in my life like I thought it would. It's no, I, I, I would I would totally agree with that, and I think I've, I talk a bit about that in the book. I, it, but I, yeah, it, it is very. Um, I mean, it, I, I could have gone all sorts of different ways. I could have just stayed because uh, I was brought up in the Yorkshire Dales in a lovely town called Settle, and I could still be there in a way if I hadn't made a certain decision you know, to move to a, a different house on the outskirts. It got me closer to to sort of Leeds, which means then I could get a job nearer the city, which was when I, I started the car trade. All those sort of things, if I hadn't, I might have still been working in the Yorkshire Dales, could still be behind a bar. Um, it, it, it's it's odd. It, it, you know, you don't quite know. And I didn't plan that. It's, it's just decisions you make for yourself. And I wasn't thinking, I need to go and do that because then I can – going to the big city or anything like that. It was just, oh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll just move to this. It's a bit cheaper. It's a bit um, – so I've never had a – I've never had a, a, a grand plan of, of, of you know, career or anything like that, apart from I think I wanted to be a, a traffic cop when I was about eight or nine, Alex, I think. Car salesman, traffic cop. <laughs> Roger, come on, man. You're trying to get some fans here. <laughs> any good oh, um, so you didn't get your um, grades of course which i didn't which meant i couldn't then even think about it staff really isn't it well, yeah, well look there's arguments to you know we could sit here and argue well maybe that's the best way of living life you know not having these major plans and being in the moment and there's, there's plenty of um top meditators that talk about like, stop worrying about purpose like just like your purpose is to exist in the moment that is and enjoy that moment mm. yeah sure have ambitions but don't get wrapped up in this whole pursuit of you know this, mm-hmm. this purpose because you end up like not living in the moment and then five years later you still haven't found your purpose you're just five years older and uh, and and still nowhere better off so uh, when did you when did you first pick up the pen like when did you decide that i'm going to take on this mammoth task of writing a book man because i know how hard it is um well talking about purposes it was um oh, I, I decided to take a back back seat back seat um take a back whatever you call it, in, in the company. So I was I was a managing director and I'd done 10 years at it and we built the company up. But the stress, you know, stress and strains of it had got a bit much. Um, so I decided, I think it was my, uh, September 2019, that I was going to um, take a step back the following March, so March 2020. I would still be, you know, available. I'll still be part involved, but not day to day. Um and when that when that came along, it was the pandemic hit at the same time, which was really odd because you go from because what I was thought was going to happen at the end of March was that I would be part time, still getting hundreds of emails a day and replying to a few and passing them on. Um, the company we decided to put me on the furlough scheme because that was ideal. It was you know I wasn't needed because I was stepping back anyway. Um, but you go from I don't know, 20 calls a day, hundreds of emails, absolutely nothing. And I found it really, 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 really hard. Um, so through that through that summer, I spent too much time watching the news, <laughs> too much time watching the five o'clock briefings, yeah. too much time drinking wine earlier and earlier in the day. Um, and then <laughs> and then my, my, my wife, Victoria, um, 
suggested I join this Write That Book Masterclass, which is run by Michael Heppel, who I think you've interviewed. I think you or you know him, I think. I know Michael Heppel. Yeah. yeah. And did, were you, was it a suggestion or were you told, get off your ass and do something? No, to be fair to her, she never, never tells me. So it was a suggestion, but she said, I think you really enjoy it because you, you keep talking about it, you, you want to write. Um, and this is the odd, for me, this is the odd thing. I've spent years in, the, in, in being a salesman. So I, I talk all the time. I meet new people. I, I can do deals with people, people I've never met. But I really, really didn't want to do it, Alex. I really didn't want to join a Facebook group that was going to talk about how to write a book and stuff. And, um, but she said, oh, come on, give it a go. Come on, we'll do it together, which was lovely. I'm glad she did, to be fair. And the first, the first sort of um, meeting, if you like, um, he was so inspiring. I was just taken aback by him. And you had a really extreme week where you have to do certain challenges um, and then you report back the following days and, and, and everybody's involved. And there were literally 800 people on this group. And, and I just was inspired by it. And I had the title certified in that week. I had a rough cover. I had the idea of how I was going to do a birth and a, you know, a wedding and a death. So I literally picked up pen, if you like, or type, started to type, begin middle of November um, and started to write it. And I started to write it at first as a real memoir. But within a week, I think this is really boring, <laughs> really boring. So I, I then decided to take the life events and all the different little bits and real life experiences. Some of them are absolutely true in the book. Some chapters are absolutely true, but some of them I've used, you know, I've embellished it to make the story funnier, sadder, twists and turns. There's a very big twist that even I didn't see coming when I was writing it. Um, that appears um so yeah so that's that's where my journey started really that's so november november 2020 and i'd finished the book about april 2021 um and published in august yeah so it's yeah do you call yourself yourself a writer now are you still at it are you writing new material yeah i i I call myself an author now you know published successful I'm, i'm i'm very lucky i'm a I'm an Amazon bestseller, you know, which has been, which is great. And, uh, but yeah, I'm just started a, a little bit of a follow up and I'm hoping I can have the same imagination I had in the first one to, so people can enjoy the second one hopefully next year if I can, if I can, if I can do it, if I can replicate it. And yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Try. I wish you'd have told me about the Amazon bestseller. I do use that on the uh, I use that on the text for this for this podcast. I know, sorry. Amazon bestseller. I know. I mean, you, to be fair, I, I could be really. I could just leave that, could I? But you can literally be an Amazon bestseller for about three hours, right? And then suddenly disappear. So trust, uh, trust me, Roger. If I was, if I was, every 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 fucker would know about it. I promise you. That. <laughs> I've been telling everyone it'd be on my Facebook profile, everything. I'm an Amazon bestseller. So, I do have that now. I screen, I screenshotted it. Can't take it away from you. Yeah. You know, so I've, I've got it. So yeah, brilliant. I'm so yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, you should be super proud. So is this yeah. is this the auto trade business done for you now? Are you are you all in on the writing? Is this is this a full time game now? No, no. I'm still I'm still involved with the company. Um, not day to day. I'm I'm I go in once a week and. I suppose I'm a bit of a sounding board for the, for the company um, because I've got the sort of years of 
experience. Um, so they they still lean on me a little bit. I mean, they're doing a great job. They don't they don't need me day to day, but I'm I'm just available. Um, but majority of the time, yeah, I'm 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 at home. I'm I'm like a house husband. I look after my wife Vic, who's working constantly, solidly from home, making sure she gets lunch, dinners. Good house husband, Alex. I am a really good one. Oh man, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that Vic kind of you know said, look, you, you know, Roger, you've wanted to write this book for ages. So <laughs> do you ever like look back and go? Oh, I just wish I'd have got started earlier. Because again, there's there's so many guys who who'll be watching this that have these these little festering dreams, these ambitions, these mm. things they want to do, uh, and we always delay stuff, don't we? We just do. Like, mm. is there any part of you that wishes? Oh, I really regret not starting this writing game earlier and having more time at it. Yeah, I think there's two things about that. One is, yes, I do regret that I didn't um, because I could have probably done it at weekends or in the evenings or literally you know, half an hour a day to, to, to write it. Um, but I've been lucky that I've had the time to be able to do that. So I, c- I can I can write, you know, two, two and a half thousand words in an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and then leave it and do other things at home. So, but yeah, I do regret it. I wish I'd, I wish I'd, you know, done it many, many years ago. Um, just made that time, even though work was stress, even though you're at it all the time. It, it, I think it would have given me a release. Mm. Makes sense. Um, what was your release at that point? Did you have one, or did it come in the forms of unhealthy <laughs> things like the old wine, the old vino? Yeah, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, we loved going to theatre. Um, that was probably my big release. Uh, I love, I love the arts. So theatre in London or Sheffield, Leeds, anywhere that was local to us. We did a lot. We did a lot of that together, and that was a good release. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, that would be nice. I think that would be a really good hobby because I played football for many, many years and I suppose that was released when you were working and younger. Um, when that goes, you try and find things in like bit like golf or something like that, but never quite is the same. And I think, yeah, but I think if I, I could have done that on a Saturday morning like I was going to play football, done two or three hours a week and, and written and published a book a lot earlier, hopefully, maybe. Yeah, have you been to the Royal Shakespeare Company here in in my local town? No, I haven't. No, yes. Do they just do Shakespeare there, Alex? No, they do. They do lots. You're asking the wrong person, man. I know know a lady who worked there and said, Alex, and she was being dead straight with me. She wasn't even taking the piss on me. She said, No offense, but she said, The only player that I'd go and see if I was you is Peter Pan. And, and that's what she said to me. So she said, so I think she was trying to say that's all I'd understand. And she's probably got four <laughs> points to be, to be fair. So uh, yeah, no, it's 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 quite a famous theatre. It is. It's Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're ever down, man, you have to give me a shout, have a coffee or something. Or, Thank or, you. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I've ne- no, I've never never visited. I always thought it was just mostly Shakespeare and a bit well it, it's much, Shakespeare. It's heavy Shakespeare, yeah. You know, mm. it's one of those towns where every pub claims Shakespeare's been in there and everywhere says it's Shakespeare's birth page. But it's it's a really nice place, man. I think you I think you'd enjoy it. And if you're into theatre, there's nice restaurants where you can get pre pre theatre yeah. dinner. And yeah, you can, make, you can make a weekend of it. So yeah, yeah. you're yeah. about to be a shout. So yeah, how knowing what you know now, then that like you know, I'd wish I'd have done this a bit earlier. Mm. Is there any kind of like advice or guidance that you can give to 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 a lad of any age or, you know, whether he be younger or in his later years, like if he wants to do something and whether it's just crafting out, like you say, half an hour each day or half an hour at the weekend, is there anything you can say now 
you know, now that you've got the experience of what it feels like not to get started on something you want to work on, is there anything you can say to encourage more people to get started? Um, I think um, I think also also well, one of the things also was that I I was a joker at school and I, I absolutely adored school and I, and I was lucky because the teachers adored me, but they didn't adore me for being a particularly um, good student to get you know good grades, um, but. And I, and I regret that. When you look back, I regret that. And I think, you know, a lot of young men might have done the same. Um, and what I would say is that I also wish I'd taken some sort of um, a degree, even in, on an evening evening class, chosen something, whether it was to do with psychology, whether it was to do with, but done something. I think I wasted a lot of time, you know, working, in, in in not in dead end jobs to be fair when I was younger up to you know up to good forty years of age thirty five forty years of age so I wish I'd then done something like that where you can do night classes and, and things like that and do a couple of hours and, and and get something that actually might have taken me in a completely different direction now I'm lucky because I, I you know I ended up where I did but I might not have done and when I look back I think if I could you know I, I it would have been good for me to have done something because I didn't do it in those four years, three, four years at school when I was playing the class joker, to be fair. So I, I would recommend anybody if they're thinking, oh, I'm stuck in this pub job or I'm this and I wish I, you know, get online, look at courses, get yourself some qualification in, in something you want to move into. Because um, you might not end up where you really, you know, absolutely want to go, but that will open doors to go and do something else. Um, to further your life and career, I suppose. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm just wondering whether the 16-year-old Alex would listen and whether the 16-year-old Roger would take any of this advice on board. Probably not, right? I'm wondering whether life is the only teacher or whether, yeah. or whether we can possibly have more influence, more positive influence on, yeah. on the people that, that want to start a different path. I, I, I like to believe we can. Um, I know my life's been influenced by good mentors and good people. Mm. I think yeah. put yourself around those. Or Michael Heppel, good example. You know, you got in his company. Yeah. Uh, and look, boom, you published author. It's Absolutely. amazing what you can do when you throw yourself in. But you've got you've got to jump up, you've got to go, you've got to move, you've got to do something, change something. You've got you've got to start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, the confidence that he gives you. I mean, I, I you know, if, if anybody said to me a year ago you'd be doing this with with Alex, you know, live. I would say I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. No, no way will I talk about myself at all. I'm a very private person, always have been. So it's quite, it's, it's incredible the sort of inspiration that he, he gives you to get yourself out there. You're good enough, you know, and talk about yourself, talk about your book, talk about everything. Um, be, you know, be you, be confident. It's been quite a, quite a change, I have to say. From a private person, you know, any, anybody who's worked with me will go, what's she talking about? He's the loudest guy in the in the office, or or my customers and things like that. From years, would go. He's, he's a life and soul. It's, it's nearly like uh, playing an actor. And then you come home and you're yourself, and you just don't. You know, you, I'm just I'm just me, and I've got I've got the daughter, I've got Victoria, I've got the dog, and that's that's your bubble. And I, and I've always kept that really close. Um, so this is quite quite new to me, but I have to say I'm thoroughly enjoying it and opening up and talking. 
Yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, I don't think twice about it now coming on here and speaking, but I understand what you mean. It's, it's strange because, yeah, in conversations, like private conversations, I'm quite private. It's But for some strange reason, I can come out on this and just talk about anything. I think that's where writing helps as well, Roger. You know, when you can take the pen and paper and just spit out some thoughts and let some creative mm. juices flow. And sometimes normal life doesn't allow for conversations like that to engage. So, you yeah. know, not everyone wants to talk about the things that you want to talk about. So small talk for me is really hard to do. So I can't talk about the Kardashians on TV or any of that shit. I just, I just can't get into small talk. I can't even talk about public affairs, really, because I don't, don't read the papers. I don't watch the news. I don't know too much. So, I'm, yeah, to engage in, in conversation for me is not always easy. So this is why I love to, speaking to people like you, because mm. it's a journey you know, you, you've learned a lot and I love learning from people. If there's one thing I do, it's, it's I love learning from people. And I, I, yeah. I really wish that, um, yeah, more, more younger guys, especially would look up a little bit to see who's got the experience out there and just pick great. Mm. People want to help people, don't they? All you've got to do is ask. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But is it, but is there enough people out there doing that for the younger generation in, in a sort of, um, normal world, type of way and I'm not quite sure what I mean by that so I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody but if you know what I mean and I'm not talking about 16 year olds you you could have gone through school and now you're in that 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 job that you never wanted to be and you can't see where this is going to be my life and and nobody to say well actually no you know if if you do this or try that or try this you know it's it's not a guarantee but if you try it you might get there and I don't know from a just a normal world type of thing, not not uh, not molly coddling. I you know, if you're not, familiar. yeah, I understand. Well, I think we're all leaders and mentors, whether we're positive ones. Is it different? Like we're all we're all influencing people in in some way, especially if you've got children or, mm. or or you go to work. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm writing at the minute about life in your thirties and forties. So I'm thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty seven mm. now. So yeah, well, people say that, but I think you just start to wake up. I just think you just start to wake up. So I don't think I really grew up. So we talk when I'm talking about young guys, I think you can be a 32-year-old and still not know what the fuck you want to do, not mm. really take enough responsibility on your shoulders. Because um, I avoided all that stuff until I was, yeah, 32, 33. <laughs> I, I've only just started to really wake up and reflect on life a little bit and think about it slightly differently. And I don't know whether it is an age thing. Again, you can help me out on this, but you, you seem to be at that age where you've lived long enough to, to fuck up a lot. You've done some bad things. You've hurt people, but you're wiser. Like you're smarter. You're more in tune. You start to understand what's important. So it, you want to head down a different path, but you've got this, this traumas of the past. You've got guilt. You've got beliefs. You've got things you're set in your ways. So yeah. it's a funny age to be because I think you can go left or right at this age. You've still got time to sort shit out, hopefully, if God's good to you and he doesn't take you too early. Mm. You've still got time to do things. But, yeah, I don't know don't know what you think about those middle years. I was going to ask you what your trigger was. What do you think your trigger – what was your trigger to start thinking now, Alex? Well, I, I had a, a, a proper meltdown. I, mean, I didn't realise how bad it was, Roger, until I look back now. But when I was 28, I had a proper meltdown. I couldn't leave the house for three weeks. So I could just shut the business down and just, just hid away in the house because you know, I was doing some things I wasn't proud of. It all caught up with me and a whole host of things happened, just circumstances at that time. Uh, and I was all, a bit, always worried and stressed since I was a little kid. I had terrible anxiety. You know, mm. Doctors wanted to put me on beta blockers. I couldn't get on a plane. I couldn't drive the car. I couldn't get on uh, a, a, a train even. Like I was just terrified. Mm of everything like everything 
extreme anxiety. So very fragile, very mm. fragile. So I had to learn how to toughen myself up. But I chased all the wrong things, you know, business, women, money, all, all that stuff. And I got some of it. I tasted it. And it was good at the time. Um, mm. I wasn't really becoming a better man for it. You know, I wasn't learning too much. Or maybe I was. Maybe I was. Maybe I just took the the painful route. Because um, I think, yeah, unfortunately in life we learn from the mistakes more than we do the victories, you know. Mm. Uh, but it's a painful way to learn. But I think you, you that's how, how we pick things up. So, yeah, that was the trigger point. I was like, I, ca- I can't go back there because if I go back there, I'm going to kill myself. Simple. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was, it, or, or not not even going to kill myself, Roger. It was more like, I can't live like that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mm-hmm. don't want to live like that. It's a horrible life, this depression, this anxiety that's with me. Mm-hmm. So I had to, to, to try and change that. And luckily, I found a guy called Paul Mort who played a, a big role. I don't know if you're familiar with Paul. Um, yeah, definitely know the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really changed the game for me. Taught me mm-hmm. how to set my day up better. Taught me how to set my morning up, my routine. Gave me a little bit, again, purpose, something to focus on. And it wasn't all smooth. The first few years with him was rough. Mm. Really rough, yeah. I couldn't achieve anything. I'd set goals and not stick to my word. And I'd just fail at everything. And I just felt like the biggest loser in the world, man. Um, it was a r- rough period. I didn't have any successful relationships with with any uh, with any women. And I just couldn't hold a relationship down. And just not behaving in a way that I was proud of. So I had to mm. go and change from chasing goals to just becoming a better person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done better. Still still not the uh, finished article, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> it's been a journey, mate. It's, it's, it's yeah, been a journey. Uh, well, we, we all go on them in our different ways, don't you? Some some deeper and um, more challenges than others like, like you have, you know, com- compared to me. Um, and I think, I don't know what, I was thinking about what makes you, you know, what's made me a better man and a better sort of, I'm a, you know, I'm a father now, I'm a husband, um, I mean, I had a toxic. I write about it a bit in the book, and it's and it is based on truth. And, and you know, and I had a toxic relationship when I was in my late twenties. Um, when I was a bit abused, to be fair, um, and it's one of those things that, as a as a man, you, you can't talk about that sort of thing. You can't, you know, because a a someone wouldn't believe you, and b it just wouldn't doesn't make sense, does it? Um, I think it's, I think there's more awareness now, and I think it's made me. I was, I, I, when I was looking back when I was writing it, it made me a calmer person now. You know, when I got to my when when my daughter Holly was born and, and onwards, a lot more calmer. I don't like confrontation. I don't like arguing. I I like to talk things through, and even whether that's with my stepson Robert when he was eight or nine, Holly at that you know at that age um, with with Vic. We, we talk things through. I think, I'm not sure without that, what what, what kind of person I was. I, I think that stopped me being confrontational. I don't want that. I, I step back. Ain't, ain't, I don't want arguments because I've seen it and felt it or been on the end of it. And I think that's probably che- did change me a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, conflict avoided. They always say is what conflict multiplied or whatever in the end. It, it's going to it's gonna catch you up at some point. Uh, but I understand that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking back is a strange thing. Like you say, there's times mm. where you, you might even highlight, I certainly do in my own world, where I've, I've not only been abused at certain times in relationship when I look back, but I've been abusive as well. You know, mm. it's, it's hard to look at the ugly side of your behaviour sometimes. Um, no yeah. man wants to do it. No person wants to do it. But you're like, mm. shit, I was a bully. I was nasty i was cruel or spiteful you know all these things that you would not like in someone else it's like mm. 
come straight back at you. It's like, shit, I was, yeah. Yeah. You can't see, can you? You can't see out of your own miserable world sometimes. And that's, that's mm-hmm. where I ended up. And it was quite dark. And it had been dark for me since I was very young. So I'd only experienced the dark world. Now I've just started to experience like, like real fun. And, and, mm. you know, and it's strange at 38 or 37, however old I am, um, to, to only just start to experience that actually life can be okay. You know, it can be, yeah. can be fun. Yeah. yeah. And but do you think, it's a, it's a cliche, isn't it? Do you, do you think you should have regrets? Because I, I, I fight, I fight internally about that. Do I, do I regret anything I've done? Should you regret anything you've done? It's really hard because you think, well, it wouldn't have got me where I am today. It would not got me as in materialistic, just where I am. So can should can you regret that way? I don't know. It's really difficult. Well, the, the, the tough part about that question is you don't know whether you'd be further ahead if you have made better choices. So <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, I'm in this good place because of all the bad places, but did I have to take this horrible punishing route? Fuck knows. I've got no yeah. idea. We'll never know. And that's part of the the, the, the trauma that flows up in a lot of men as well. It's like, what if, if I hadn't mm. have done this, if I had have done this? Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm at the stage now, Roger, as well, where I've got some big decisions to make in my life. And I, I keep falling into the trap of wanting to know what's going to happen if I make this decision. Mm. So I'm like, will it work out if I do this? And I'm trying to think in my head of the best path. I can sit mm. there all day. I'm not going to get an outcome. I, I, I'd mm. have to pick something go in that route go all in and then and then see how it pans out but that's life isn't it mate it's like yeah easy yeah because you can't see that can you you just can't and you just make the best best decision with all the as much i suppose facts in front of you of of the i mean i'd I'd have to say i I do i used to look at worst case scenarios as well so if i go down that route or that job or that whatever What's the worst happen? Can I cope with that? If if I'm then, you know, going to if I have to move on, I can move on. But can I cope with that? I, I used to look at that rather than the best things. To be fair, and say if it if it goes like that. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I love that. I, I, I've always taken that approach as well. Like if you can handle the worst, like boom, yeah, roll the dice, go. Because like you say, if you can handle that, mm. everything's upside, isn't it? Yeah. So no, I don't think that's. I think there's some positivity in looking at the negatives. Um, yeah. Positive thinking is great, but I, I wouldn't rely on that just to go. Yeah, everything's going to be great. I'm going to get what I want. My goals are going to come true. No, no, no. Let's let's look at both sides of the coin. <laughs> can you handle the shit side? If you can, boom, you've got it all to play for. Right. Well, I was just thinking, it was probably nothing to do with this. But when I was when you talking about looking for a purpose, and when I was taking the the, um, the back seat in the company, I thought, what else can I do? And and there's there's a, a, a local shop shop for sale, and it's a vegetable shop. And I thought, oh. Oh, I wonder if I could get you know do that sort of thing. It's only down the road. I thought this this could be right up my street. You know, running a little little shop near the house and you know fruit and veg and all that. And um, and then and it's the worst case scenario. So when when they're telling you that they get up at four o'clock in the morning and they drive down to to uh, pick the the oranges and the fruit for the day, etc. And as soon as that was the four o'clock in the morning, the worst worst case scenario was too bad. I was never going to get up. Every morning at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's smart. This is what I mean about like you know when you have your purpose and you have this goal, you should always look at the grit and the grind and the work you've got to do. You should always because <laughs> writing a book sounds glamorous. Like I made this mistake. Yeah, I'd love to write a book, but hold on, Alex, you don't know the finer details. 
You don't know all the shit, the resistance, the research, the headaches, the you know, the mental blocks, the writing mm. blocks. Like, yeah. It's good to know that stuff. It's good. I'm, I'm fortunate. One of my friends is is published by Penguin, um, Kit the Wow. She's she's great. Mm. And she was straight up with me. She's like, Alex, this is really fucking hard. It's going to be miserable. You're not going to enjoy it. And she was so right. But I'm, I like that information. So it's almost like a visualization. But, you know, people always go straight to positive visualization, which is handy. But I also like to visualize the difficult times because, as you've rightly pointed out, if you can handle that and you are prepared for it a little bit more, which uh, is important, then when it hits you, you're not so surprised. You're not taken aback. You don't quit as easy because you expected – the challenge to to arise and, and present itself. Yeah, I think uh, going back to the writing thing, you you can think it's it's good as you're doing it, and when and when you finish it, and and to be fair to your family or friends who've read a chapter, they're sort of very kind as well, aren't they? But you don't really know until it gets published and people are buying it and then feeding back that they've enjoyed it or it's made them laugh or it's made them cry or they, um, and, and that until I got that, um, I, I was literally petrified of what was going to come back when somebody had read it. Now I knew that, the, that a lot of people that bought it were my friends to start with and colleagues and they would be kind, but it, they were over kind, if that makes sense. They, they were being honest and, and they were, it was just lovely. And, but before that, I have to say, Alex, I was are you allowed to say shit on this. Well, I've said the F bomb about ten times. Oh, you have, yeah, yeah. I think shit passes fine, mate. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll draw a line at the C word for now, but we'll we'll, we'll stay there. Yeah. You know, just just literally shitting myself that it was not good enough, just not good enough, and then you spend months on it, and you re-edit it and edit it, and then you read it, you think it's all right. I'm sure it's all right. You have good days. You wake up with good days, and you when you finish it, you re. You know, you're just doing a final edit. You read it and you go, oh, this is all right. This is all right. And then you go back to it the next day for another read just to make sure. And you think, it's, oh, God, this is just – it's it's really, really odd mentally. It's a very strange journey. And I don't think until you get to that stage where, where a few people have gone, it's all right, you know, it's actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Then you think, oh, <laughs> it's like the relief. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things to do as a writer is is not write with that in mind. So uh, Kit Duar kept saying to me, "Don't don't think about the response because uh, it's hard to get out. How like, oh, oh. to read this? So it it needs to present itself in a certain way. So yeah, that, that's a hard hurdle to get past. Yeah, no, it is, and I, and I defy anybody not to think that because you you just you can't help it because you 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 have that self doubt. You will have because. Because you know you, at that, that point when you're writing it, you you're, you're writing it. Nobody else has really seen it. Um, so, and I don't think it's a problem to have self doubt because I actually also think it it makes you better. It makes you tighter. It makes you relook at it. It makes you if it's you know I'm not quite happy with that bit. So you do it again uh, until until you 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 you're comfortable enough to say I can't do this any better. And I think that's probably the best advice I I, I could give from a getting over the bit of the self-doubts in in your head. Yeah. I think the danger is there is that you can always think you could do it better. I think there's surely a line, what's good enough. But I know what you said about self-doubt. No, yeah. What, what I meant was, I'm oh, sorry, I, I, where you get it to a point where, yeah, I'm okay with this. Yeah, it's okay to go out. That section, I could rewrite that and it could yeah. be better. So you do. 
I'm not talking about sort of lines and everything, but it gets to that stage where I can't really do any better than this. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll never be perfect. I mean, I could rewrite a few bits now. I've, you know, when I keep when I look at it, think, oh, I could have, but not, not really. No, I'm happy with that. Actually, I, I'm really happy how, how I finished it. So, yeah, yeah, you can't get to that point. Mm. I'd advise you not to read it again because you will notice things that you could change and chop. Yeah. So, if I ever release the book, I don't think I'll ever read it. But uh, yeah, I, I, like, I like what you've said about the self doubt thing. Uh, again, this came up this morning. I think it's a really important point. Actually, and we'll, we'll, we'll stay on this for a minute. So, mm. I mean, this was your first book, right? Yeah. So, in terms of self belief we all want self-belief and there's always this kind of like saying that, you know, you've got to believe in yourself. And, and I don't always think that's true. There was a tennis player who, who'd won some big tournament lately. And she said, I didn't believe that I could do it. I mean, she went and did it. And I think it's the same thing when you, whenever you do something new. So writing a book, you don't really know. You'll only get the, the belief from doing it. So now you can have the belief because you've proved something to yourself. This is where my whole business Roger is built on this, like, you've got to do what you said you would do. Now, that doesn't mean that, like, you have to publish a book. But what it means, if you say you're going to write for 30 minutes every day, Mm. do yourself a favor and write for 30 minutes every day. Because if you're trying to install self-belief in you and you're doing exactly the opposite of what you say, then goodbye self-belief. It's not going to It's not going to stick. Same as confidence. Like, confidence comes off the back of some small victories, doesn't it? Yeah. All these things, again, they require that. Perse- everything comes back to this for me that perseverance that resilience and mm. you having the courage to go right here's my book mm. you're worse like i'm open to criticism here uh, mm. but, I'm, but I'm, I'm putting it out there and it's 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 the essence for me of of everything like this having this stubborn mentality but it can be the good news is that you can train your mental toughness like and i don't mean it as an aggressive thing i just mean be more durable to life because Life can be pretty tough, man. Like, and if you want to pursue something, it's going to have its hurdles, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I do think that uh, it isn't any advice for anybody. But I, I do think when I was writing, I was still I was a bit bit similar to my work life, where you're sort of playing a bit of a part. So when you're writing, you're playing a part. It's only when you've when I've written it and I'm now you know and I'm trying to sell it, market it, um, and, you know, and all that sort of thing that. I've started to become me after the after the book's written. If that's it's a really strange feeling, but even as writing it, you're writing it from a, a step back, if you like. Um, and now, now, but I've, now I've got this, you know, like I said, the confidence to to talk to, to someone like you, Alex. To I can walk into a bookshop with it, and 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 they'll say, "I'm not stocking that." That's fine. That's fine. You walk out knowing that you know you've sold over 500 copies already, and it's your it's your loss. Uh, it's a bit like the pretty woman um, scene where she has the bags. I don't know if you didn't see what she said. A long time ago, but yeah. Big yeah. mistake, she says, when they, they didn't serve her in the um, in the shop. And that, I have that in my mind all the time that, yeah. if you know, if it sells a bit better and I can walk back into that bookshop one day and go, big mistake, your yeah. mistake, it's yeah. all over, water stones. It won't happen, but I just have that. Well, who knows on this second book? So, where did you go with the? Where did you go with the second book now? So, obviously, because fictional memoir, I'm guessing it won't be memoir again. Yeah, it's hard. I, I, I thought about trying something completely different, um, but I got some nice feedback because in the book, there's um, there's, there's my, my my beloved dog, who's who I was based on my beloved dogs, if you like, because I've had I've had flat coat retrievers through my life since early 90s so nearly, nearly 
25 and no, over 25 years and one of them's in in the book quite a bit in the in the in the birth section and the death section of course she passes away it's very sad and and I got a bit of feedback of how lovely it was my writing about that bit so I am at the moment um, attempting or trying to write about the the three dogs in my life um, and how they took me on my journey with me and they have um, in a way you know from when I was you know early even from when I was a child when we had our first dog as a family and and how that dog sort of helped and supported in d- different ways so I'm I'm think it's going to be similar if you like um but with different stories and true stories a lot of true stories that weren't in the the first one that that I that I'm I missed out which which I which will have to do with the dogs in my life so um a life retrieved. I'm hopefully is my title. How's that? I like that, man. That's smart. That's really smart. <laughs> hey, go for it. I love dogs, man. Um, yeah. In, fact, I, I, yeah. Obviously, it did come up in what I was saying. Obviously, when I was telling you about those those times, that I was at my worst, Roger, and I was struggling to get out of the house. I had a dog at the time, mm. and uh, I had to get up for him. Mm. I had, to, I had he had to walk. Yeah. He had to be fed. So it was, a, it was a little similar. Like, I love Afterlife, you know, by Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've seen it, right? You know, and he's just like he, he says that I'm, I'm staying alive so I can feed my dog, and uh, yeah. yeah, it always kind of brings a tear because my, my my dog was called Benson. He was a, a beautiful French Mastiff. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, he died in, in during lockdown. He was only six, but oh. he was yeah, he was a great friend, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably well up talking about him now. But what what a boy he was. He didn't give a fuck. What I've done wrong, do you know what I mean? No, that yeah. I mean, a lot of time I've I've spent with, you know, with with my wife and, and and family and stuff like that. But yeah, the first one I got after being a family dog was I had I had him him on my own for three years, and you know when I lived on my own and in bad times and when my when I couldn't afford the mortgage and I was going to be have to sell the house and stuff. And, and he was a constant, you know, from a little pup, just being there, just. Just being on the sofa with you, it was ah, uh, yeah. You can't it's really hard to describe it, isn't it? But just it, there, just there for you, literally there for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, one hundred, one hundred percent. In fact, I got I got a bit of a hammering on a social media platform the other day for saying man's best friend. Apparently now uh, I'm supposed to say person's best friend. Because <laughs> the, the first few lines of my um of my of my new book actually says that that. You know, man's best friend, but of course, I don't think we can say that anymore now. Of course, you can. <laughs> that, that, no, but you must mean it. Just, just what I'm the saying. Crazy, Roger. I'm telling you, the world's gone crazy when you can't say man's is absolute bullshit, and I refuse to play along with that game. <laughs> I'm serious, mate. I've got the better man. What, what am I going to do now? No, no, and and, it, and and to me, there's there's bigger fish to fry. I mean, it's a, it's a harmless game that's been there for years, and I, and I understand if, if but. You know, it's just there. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't for me. It doesn't mean man. It's just a saying. Man's best friend is a saying. Roger, if you've got time to tr- to troll the internet and get offended by that, you've, <laughs> you've you've got to find. We're talking about purpose. You've got to find something fucking better to do because that's <laughs> ridiculous. But it's it's quite sad when you think about it that that's what somebody would do with their time. And I mean, and I'm not being nasty here. I mean, it's generally quite sad, isn't it, that you would spend your time looking for things to be offended by when there's so much better things to do in the world. This is how people get angry and resentful. It's like you can find whatever you want to be offended at. Like well, that. 
Of course you can, yeah. I think the bigger I think we've we've we as a country, etc., have a big fish to fry, to be fair. Than worrying too much about that. that. It's like there's horrible, real horrible things happening. Why don't we try and sort those problems out rather than this whole, you know, everything's got to be this PC language. Like, yeah, of course, treat everyone with respect. But mm. like you say, there's there's big things to sort in the world that actually would make a difference. And it's, it's just quite sad, I think. It's, it's um, yeah, it's certainly not helping with the whole mental health thing because now people are just terrified to say anything. So it's like, well, isn't mental health all about opening up and and expressing and saying and talking? And but I think people are now becoming scared to to say anything. So people just shut the hell up. It's easy. Yeah, I mean, social media can can be a. Uh, did you go on Twitter, Alex? I don't know if you do. I don't think you do, do you? I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm on it, but I, I don't I don't I wouldn't post anything. No, I couldn't that, handle it. But would even even give anybody half a chance to do a pile on? <laughs> to be fair, Facebook and Instagram as far as I'll go. So LinkedIn, I had to come off. It was not. It was just too much. It's so goddamn serious as well. Um, mm. uh, and in, Instagram's okay, but I have someone do the social media for me now, mate. So right. uh, yeah, I find it again. I've got to be very careful with what I absorb and what what I ingest. So yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, whether it's a weakness of mine, I'm not sure, but I try and try not to, I don't have any news feed. I don't have it on my phone. I don't have a news feed. So I don't see what others are up to. You know, if I really care about someone, I'll give them a call and I'll, or I'll text them, you know, because yeah. I think it can kill conversation. So if I, you know, if me and you are friends, but I don't need to speak to you to see what you're up to, I can just go on your social media. I don't need to call you. I don't need yeah, to, you know, I don't need to say, Roger, what have you been up to, man? I, you know, how's your book going? Because I yeah. can find out on social media because yeah. people see you. But I'd rather have an hour with you like this. Yeah. Fantastic, by the way. And just speak to you and get to know you and learn from you and be interested in you. And, and I think that's far more healthy uh, way of communicating. It's strange, you know, on the flip side of that, the, and the good side, that, and, and the pandemic brought that out because you couldn't go and see anybody. So, you you know, in, in lockdown, et cetera. And we, we as a family, my, my, um, brother and sisters and, and myself and their, their wives and husbands, we, we, every fortnight we started to FaceTime. Um, which, so we only saw each other before pre-pandemic twice, three times a year, just because of work, busy lives, et cetera, et cetera. And then suddenly we are having two-hour video calls every fortnight through the pandemic, which, and they were great, you know, funny, they were and there was nothing to talk about, was there, Alex, really? But we were just taking the mickey out of each other like we, we've always done as, as brothers, yeah. sisters, etc. And it was, and you know, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. And then when we came out of lockdown, we just stopped doing it. I'm yeah. sorry, I haven't seen them for, yeah. and isn't that odd? It's crazy. It, it's crazy, but it makes sense. But I get you. Yeah, <laughs> everyone. I think everyone jumped on that train. To be honest, to be honest, Roger, like everyone went Zoom, FaceTime, crazy. Yeah, but why didn't we do it before? And then and why haven't we carried it on? Does that make sense? I'm not. I mean, I'm Christian. I'm just, just genuinely that sort of because it was a because it was that time. Then we must talk to each other all the time. Have a really, really good time every every two Fridays. But now we're out of lockdown and we're back to normal, going around doing our lives. Let's not bother. It's just, yeah. well, it's just, I, think, I think there was great hopes that yeah. lockdown would change us and, the, you know, we'd all be better human beings for it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, yeah, I think pain and and, yeah. and uh, uncertainty is a driver. So if I'm all of a sudden my world is crumbling around me and the government say you can't go out, yeah, then, of course, you start to think, shit, what's important? It's 
company, it's people. But we, we do that as humans. It's yeah. no different in the health and fitness business that I'm in, Roger. Like, mm. Usually people have to get into a place of really poor health mm. before they address it. So they're forced to address it rather than choose to. You know, They might have a health scare or they might get cancer or they might see a photo of themselves and they think, oh, shit, like, I need to mm. do something because so i think that's just humans i think we learn the hard way we always have we always will unfortunately but i just think it's 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 what happens yeah yeah i I do think there was a real big coming together wasn't there yeah for for a while which was lovely to see i mean even our neighborhood every neighborhoods were looking after people it was just wonderful it was beautiful really but it stopped it's it stopped and again i'm frustrated even because until you brought it up i haven't really thought about it and you're right it's, sorry <laughs> no 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 it's a great point again i'm glad you're there to bring out the positive stuff in there you know i'm straight on the cynical social media train and you're saying well you know there's good things as well and you know it connects us and it does but you know yeah. that's originally what it was here for it's just become um, a little bit toxic in certain places but of course there's still great stuff out there and you're right um but yeah why don't we continue doing the things that we know. I, I don't know whether it's just as simple as we get distracted and things steal our attention. I don't know. Yeah, because at the time we think, oh, this is, you know, no, we're going to carry on this. Everybody must have said that. We'll carry on and we'll we'll keep looking, looking, make sure the neighbour's all right. And 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 then slowly but surely it just goes back to normal. It's yeah. We're just a strange race, aren't we? Well, <laughs> we're completely fucking crazy people yeah we're, we're, we're you're never going to work human beings out we're insane but um no. i'm going to jump back um to to mm. when you were 13 if that's all right I, again i know we've kind of jumped all over the place but yeah it's, yeah it's really nice i just want to know kind of like where did you get your um male influence male role models from at the age of 13 if if obviously your dad had kind of left home like and it, it sounded like you were surrounded by um, predominantly females like did you have any ma- strong male influence uh yeah probably my two brothers to be fair okay. um th- yeah. they were they're both older than me and two year gap so if i was 13 um paul would be 15 and philip would be 17 so they were yeah they were the sort of male influence probably philip more the elder one because he bless him he you know he was out working and and, and times weren't as as good as they used to be when 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 dad wasn't about from an income point of view. So, you know, I do remember him having to buy me school shoes and things like that. Um, and he was all right doing that. You know, that was we were a tight family, really tight. And, and sister was three years younger, so and we we love her to bits. But we, we were quite strong as the three of us because we played football together. We did that together, and. Um, yeah, so I, I, I had them very much so. So I had quite quite a strong um, male influence with those two, I think. And they were both pretty all right, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could handle, handle themselves kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but weren't, weren't, weren't naughty or bad boys. Yeah, yeah. The, the reason I ask is I'm just reading a great book called The Boy Crisis at the minute, and it's... All right. Yeah, it's just talking about, you know, kids who haven't really got male influence and then the importance of finding mm. one. So uh, it was obviously, you know, quite important that you you had had your brothers in your life. Yeah. I think some, some young boys aren't as fortunate, you know, mm. they, you know, if, if dad's not around, then they don't have, you know, they might, they might not have a sister even or whatever. Mm. Um, but I think it's important. And, and I think even later on in life, like you say, just you meet Michael Heppel, me meeting Paul, Paul Moore, these people, the people that you meet along the, the journey do direct you onto slightly different paths. And I always find that fascinating that you can yeah. meet 
individual and they can change your life. So you mm-hmm. might not have been a published author, right? If you hadn't have uh, been introduced to Michael Heppel, it's as simple no, as that. No. Yeah, which no. is cool. By the way, he might be watching this because he's jumped on this and took the piss out of me a few times. <laughs> I, I joined the program and didn't write the book. I think we're in competition tonight. I think he's live tonight on one of his master, one of his write that books. Heppel will crush me with fan following. That guy will crush me. I want to know what that guy eats for breakfast because he's he's wired. <laughs> The guy's wired all the time. He's got so much energy. And uh, yeah, great bloke. I have a lot of time for him, and he's he's given me a lot of a lot of his time as well. Um, yeah, I'll tell you how else is a great bloke. You, you sound you, you're, you're, thank you're, you. Oh, you're very easy to speak to, man. You're a great guest. I, I, I yeah. like you. You're very uh, very relaxed about what you do. You seem very humble and chilled, especially oh, for an man. Amazon bestseller, mate. I'd be. I'd be Amazon bestseller right there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm time to redo one, which has it across it. But no, yeah. I am I'm just I am me, I suppose, and that, and I've I've always been like that. I have to say, I've never been materialistic, so I've never wanted the Ferrari. I've never wanted the, you know, I wanted to make sure I've been all right, if you know what I mean. Um, so I can go to the theatre or have enough money to do that. So I'm not materialistic, and I just, you know, just try to be nice as well to everybody, respect everybody, youngers, elders. Managing directors, cleaners, doesn't matter. We're all the same. Absolutely. I, always said I, I never signed an autograph. I, oh, sorry, I never asked anybody for an autograph. And my, yeah. my my daughter always, you know, can't understand that why. And I just say, yeah, they're brilliant at what they do, but they're just the same as me. They know, you know, you know, it doesn't matter if it's an Olympic row with five gold models, medals or whatever, Steve Redgrave. I'm not going to ask him. He's the same as me. I know, I'm with you. I know, I find it strange, you know, when people queue outside outside and wait for hours. I mean, I think the selfie's probably overtaken the... um, Yeah. You're showing your age there, Roger. I think it's all about selfies now. But I wouldn't do that either, Alex. No. I'd I'd still grab a selfie with someone who... I can't. Can't do it. No, I'd be a bit embarrassed asking, to be honest. I'd rather just have a conversation with someone than get a selfie. But yeah, no, yeah, I like doing that if I ever meet you. um, Have you never been as materialistic items? You know, even being in the auto trade, have you never thought, right, I'm going to drive around in this sexy car with the the roof down and let my long hair flow in the wind and all that? Well, two reasons for that. One, I spent twenty years working with Ford Motor Company, so. Oh. I'm not sure. Don't have many sexy cars. So. I love those Ford Rangers, mate. Well, yeah, in the old days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the Raptors and the, the, some yeah. of these Ford Rangers now are absolute beasts. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they, they are. are. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just never been a driver for you. No, I mean, I've never, I've, I've never liked cars, so I don't care. Um, which is hard, really, when you've been in it 25 years as I have in the car industry. Um, but yeah, from materialistic, no, I just. No, I haven't. I've never, you know, never wanted the, I don't know, the house in, in America or the, you know, the second thing. I just always wanted to make sure I had enough money just mm. to. I'll tell you what I haven't done, and you'll be thinking about this, Alex, is it took me till I was late 30s to realise I had no pension whatsoever. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, there's another great debate in life, you know, how much time do you spend planning for the future versus yeah i mean there'd be nothing worse than being old and having zero money 
in, in your pocket, right? Like you don't want that situation to occur, but you also don't want to, you know, I know some people that aren't living their life because they want to save all their pennies. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a guy, Roger, that I know that saved his entire life to do this round the world cruise when he retired a week before, you know what I'm going to say, right? A week before yeah. he retired, yeah, he had this horrible heart attack and he passed away, man. He didn't get to enjoy any of that mm-hmm. stuff wife and it's just like shit man like th- there's no guarantees that you're going to get to that 65 and see no. Your no you're not no that's that's a horrible thought but it, it's it is true so um yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a real balancing because you think yeah i want to get over especially when you get to 54 like i am you don't really think about it yeah you're like jesus hang on a minute i'm gonna be 60 soon you don't think about it no i am now yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm yeah. myself now you know, when I was even when I was in mid late forties, I wasn't thinking about it really because that's all right, late forties. I no. think about that all the time. A bit like you said about the worst case scenario. I I take death as the worst case scenario, but on, honestly, Roger, it's made life so much simpler. So, um, Jeff, I, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a guy called Jeff Thompson. He's always talked about the ability to give away possessions because he thinks you know what you own owns you i.e you know big car lease means you've got to do the job that you probably don't like to pay for the car that you want to impress people Mm. um but um yeah it's uh focusing like i read book there just with me now these books like denial of death and Mm. worm at the core they sound like really depressing but they actually make life a little bit easier when you realize that yeah shit uh, not uh, like because we always assume that we've got 25 years left or 50 years left but we we shouldn't assume that like yeah. worst case scenario is i don't see at the end of the year i know that's yeah. morbid as fuck but it changes the way that you approach things so if there's a decision to be made what you would class as a big one if you break it down like that you, it's actually not that big of a decision no it's still very hard to make though isn't it if you but it's easier if you realise that, like, in 20 years, it's not going to ma- matter a job. Like, so if we're talking about little things like yeah. shit like that, like, that's not going to be the thing that you look back on and it determines whether you've had a good life or not. No, no, totally agree with that. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. But we get wrapped up in the game sometimes of nice car, expensive lease, like a second mortgage. Mm. And, and and again, it's tougher. Maybe maybe you haven't experienced this because materialistic things don't drive you. But I'm getting rid of a lot of materialistic things now. It's quite mm. painful. Like you have to break up with these things, and you have to because people are going to think, "Oh, he used to have a really flash car. Now he's not. Things mustn't be going well." When the opposite's true, mm. it gives you more freedom. You got more money to travel. But do you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that as well, where you have to let go of what people think. Which yes, and then that's that's the bigger thing, isn't it? Well, it's like you releasing your book, right? Like you've got to be out there and go. People might like this. People might hate it. Oh, pff, here, here's the gamble I'm willing to take. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, mm. that, that's the big one. So, that, so what what drives you then? If if materialistic items don't do it for you, is it a sense of freedom? Is it a sense of creativity? Is it a sense of uh, challenge, growth? Like, what what's the thing now that's going to push you forward and make the most out of life? Um. Uh... Well, stay healthy, I think, hopefully. Um, and I think, you know, I've, 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 I've sort of struggled, not struggled with that, but, you know, weight-wise I've struggled and I've got a bit, so I've, I've, I've started a regime of losing weight and doing a few bits. Let's, and, talk, let's talk. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I'm just, no, it's not much. I just don't drink as much. Don't, okay. eat, eat cho- don't eat chocolate. Don't have snacks. And that's taken the stone off in about four or five weeks. Mate, the snack um, 
the, the snack thing is genius. If you can stick to that rule, don't snack. Yeah. yeah, I'm really good at when I say I'm going to do something, though, I'm going to do it. So, and I've literally haven't had any chocolate for five, six weeks now, which, which for me, for every night I was having it. And I can just, but once I made that decision, I, you know, I can do that. And so that, so, so yeah, healthy, but not, I mean, I can't, I can't do much, um, um, What's the word? Um, exercise is that the exercise. word? Yeah, I can't do too much exercise. I don't remember the word, Roger. Let alone do it. <laughs> well, there you go. They're never going to get anywhere. Because um, I, you know, I've, I've, I had a slip disc in January, so, which which or two of them, and so I, I still can't. And I'll do a bit. You know, I walk and I walk the dog, etc. But I can't do the sort of running and um, golf or a bit of tennis that I like because it's just too too sore and I can still feel it. So. So the only way, really, uh, for me anyway, is just trying to watch what I eat. So it's quite healthy because might make you know might last longer then, might not. If you know what I mean, rather than sixty-five, I might get to seventy or seventy-five. Look, you might not. You increase your odds of living a bit. You've got a better chance, haven't you? Yeah, and you've got a better chance of fighting off any of these horrible, uh, you know, viruses, diseases that are out there. If you, yeah, if you're fit yeah. and healthy, you've got a bet. You've got a fighting. Fighting, yeah. fighting chance anyway that, that that's for sure you're doing yeah. the right things man just walking and like yeah. you say watching that nutrition if you've lost a stone you're clearly doing something right so yeah it's gonna be the next bit, yeah. yeah man so by the time your next book comes yeah. out you'll have a six pack and a bunch of muscles sticking yeah. out yeah and then then my third book will be how i lost a two how i lost two stone in six months won't it yeah <laughs> absolutely no, it won't. i promise you i will never do something like that I promise oh well, Roger, it's been a pleasure speaking. I feel like you're the kind of guy that, you know, just be great to go down the boozer with, have a pint and chat some yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. So, yeah thank uh, you. Unless there's anything that you uh, particularly want to cover, I feel like, like we spoke about quite a lot of things, but unless there's anything specific that you think, Alex, I really want to say this while I'm on the podcast, I think you were great tonight, man. No, no, I, I haven't, to be fair. I think we've talked about a lot of things. So, but and thank you so much for having me. I you know, much appreciate it. It's been Great, great spending time with you, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, it. The the problem you've got now is if I if I bring a guest on, like I've had a couple of repeat return return guests. If I really like them, I'll get on the phone to them and go, Roger, do you fancy coming on again in a few months' time? And if you're up for that, mate, I think we, we could carry on this conversation because, like I say, you've been a pleasure to speak to, and uh, I think you've got a lot to offer. So, uh, no, thank you. That's lovely. Yeah, I'd be delighted to come back if you need me or want me. That'd be lovely. Love to love to have another chat. It'd be brilliant. Right, I'm going to order your book tonight. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I'll have a read, man. I'd like to. Like to <laughs> and what I love now about that is, like you said, some of it's true, some of it's not. And I like that game of like, oh, is, is that bit true or is that bit yeah. true? Is that not? I like that. And I think, yeah, maybe don't tell me because that's part of the excitement. So no, I'll, well, I won't, I won't tell you anything. I'll let you. Um, yeah, I'll let you read it and and sit, wonder yourself which is and which isn't. Yeah, I guarantee my mother who watches all these podcasts, she'll order one now as well. Oh, I hope so. Yes, please, please. Please, please, please do, Mrs. Alex. So we'll get you back. We'll get you back up by, by tonight. You'll be yeah. <laughs> Even if it's for an hour. Yes, Even, mate, I don't give a shit. If I ever do that, I'll be well happy. So well done you. Uh, Roger, you. it was an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. No, thank you. Delightful. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Cheers.